2: Press Secretary Sean Spicer, Tennessee Trucking Association's Donna England, illusionist Taylor Reed, and country rockers, the Kentucky Headhunters. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection, and I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey, and
3: Welcome. We've got such a great studio audience here tonight and a fantastic show all lined up. You're going to enjoy every single minute of it. I just wish you were here with us. And I hope some of these days you'll get tickets to the show and come and be with us here in Nashville. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't elect kings to lead us in this country. We are not a monarchy. And in fact, we're not a democracy. That's a big surprise to a lot of people, but we're not. We're a constitutional republic because a true democracy is ruled by simple majority and everyone votes on every issue. We don't do that. A constitutional republic is where we democratically elect representatives who serve on our behalf to make laws that are in line with our framing document, the constitution. Each citizen has one vote, just one, and each individual is considered equal to every other citizen. We're considered individuals with personal liberty and personal responsibility. But our form of government has been under attack by those who want to replace it with an entirely different kind of government, a Marxist socialist government that would trade our being individuals to our being part of a collective in which the government is to be served by its people rather than its people being served by the government. Instead of us having equal opportunity that's up to us to create prosperity, a Marxist approach diminishes the individual in deference to the state. Then we only matter as we bring value to the government. If we actually keep moving in that direction, it's gonna be the end of our storied nation that empowered people from all nations, languages, religions, and economic circumstances to live freely and self-determine our future. Those who've worked hard and prospered are gonna be penalized by the state. They'll have their property and their wealth confiscated. Then it'll be redistributed to those who chose not to work, who chose not to learn a valuable trade, get an education, or act as responsible stewards of their resources. And when you unfairly tear down the top and you artificially raise up the bottom, The result is across the board, mediocrity. It's kind of like the equivalent of having A students in a classroom and taking points off of their grades and give it over to the F students. That way everybody in the class gets a C, whether one studied hard or partied hard. The incentive to work hard is destroyed and the motivation to rise up and do better, totally marginalized. At that point, we become like so many nations before us who tried socialism only to see it destroy an economy, jobs, the value of capital, as well as creativity. Even art and architecture become bland and lifeless. Surely Americans don't want that. And I hope we'll rise up against it. And when I hear the left tell us that we have 10 years before climate change will turn us into greasy spots on the pavement, I just want to scream and say, forget about climate change, we're not gonna last 10 years under socialism if we have inflationary high prices, empty shelves, lack of labor, meaningless elections, and the only people left with a high standard of living will be those in the ruling class of government. Look around, we are rapidly becoming just that. And the tone deaf princes of power running our government have the audacity to insult us by saying that the problems of high prices for gas and groceries are only problems of the high class. Really? It seems that the academics and people in the high perches of politics and power think that you having to struggle just to heat your home, fuel your car, put food on your table or clothes in your kids' backs, that's nothing but symbols of wealth. Just when you think politicians can't get any dumber, One of them says, hold my beer and y'all watch this. And there they go. Now, you may think you don't wanna be involved in politics, but friend, you are already involved. You can sit back and let it happen, or you can stand up and take the power away from the people who hate America. But not caring, that's really not an option anymore. If you like the direction our country is going, you don't have to do anything, just do nothing. But some of us will not give up on America without a fight. And I hope you are one of us. Well, my first guest tonight is one of my favorite White House press secretaries that's not named Sarah. (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about Sean Spicer, who served in the Trump administration back in 2017. Since leaving the White House, he's become a TV host on Newsmax each day. He's a best-selling author, even a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. But tonight, He's here to tell us how conservatives can take back America from the radicals who threaten our values and our voices. Welcome back to the show, our good friend Sean Spicer.
1: For what it's worth, I I am named Sarah.
3: Uh, no, not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you Sarah Spicer. That would be a hoot, wouldn't it? Uh, after what I've been through, that might be an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly were put through the ringer during that job. I mean, I think anybody that served President Trump in any capacity certainly found out that uh, there's an angry bunch of uh, of a pretty mean people. Yeah, I think they got it out of their system because I watch these briefings every day and I'm like, oh. where was that? You know, <laughs> I mean, every day they give a tongue bath to Gensaki yeah. and shine her shoes in a way that is just unbelievable. Rarely does she get hard questions.
1: I, I, I'm not sure that she's had a hard question. Uh, it's 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 I have literally covered two chapters in my book that I talk about this. It is unbelievable the lack of accountability that this administration faces. And I think frankly, it's a it's it's a disservice yeah. to journalism. I, 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 between the policies, the double standards, the hypocrisy, no pushback. Sean,
3: you've been around these guys a long time. I mean, you've worked in the D.C. Uh, media world yep. for quite a while. Are any of them starting to even get curious about this administration? Is there any hope that they're going to actually become professional journalists? Are they going to continue to be advocates for the I, left?
1: Unfortunately, too many of them are advocates. I mean, I, I we... We have a correspondent from Newsmax in the briefing room. She rarely ever gets called on. If you know, once in a while, and that's because she'll yell out a question, and uh, once in a while, Jen will feel compelled to kind of turn around and answer. It. But that's it. They don't want. I mean, look, they, they don't want anyone to hold them accountable. I think these journalists don't want to push back the way they did with whether it was Sarah, myself, or or Kaylee. They they didn't. You know, uh, I, I just I, I think it's truly an embarrassment to journalism as a profession, to the First Amendment. They yeah. have such an awesome responsibility to go in there. And yet every day, it's like they're nodding their head saying, thank you. Okay, are we done?
3: When you wrote this book, Radical Nation, um, you talk about the dangerous plan yeah. that you say Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have of the country. What What are some of the aspects that you feel are most threatening to the America that many of us have sort of taken for granted and grown up in. So,
1: so there's two things. One, the people, um, whether it's Pete Buttigieg running the Department of Transportation, if he's there, uh, or <laughs> or Dennis McDonough leading the VA, they have they have people that are unqualified to lead it. But then, to your point about the policies, everything that they do is in pursuit of power. They want to make D.C. a state, not because they want people to be able to vote, but because they want two Democratic senators. They want to let people flood over the southern border, not because they're compassionate and caring, but because they want future Democratic voters. Everything that they do is in pursuit of absolute political power. And you need to understand that because, you know, I, the, the example that I love, Governor, is D.C. In in 1790. Parts of Virginia and Maryland were taken to create the District of Columbia. In 1835, we gave back part of Virginia. That's where I live now because we weren't using it. Well, it would seem if we're not using the part that from Maryland, we would give it back to Maryland. Then people could vote, right? Problem solved. No, Democrats said, well, let's take that small little area and make it a state. You have to scratch your head and say, I don't get it. Why would you do that? Oh, the District of Columbia votes 95 to 5. Democrat, which means that they would get two additional senators. Understanding the why of their policies is crucial to understanding where the country's headed.
3: You mentioned uh, Pete Buttigieg and Dennis Madonna uh, both being unqualified. I, mean, I remember when he was picked as transportation secretary and someone asked him about his qualifications. He said he liked trains. We had uh, one of the people uh, who wrote into my newsletter and they said, My five-year-old likes trains too. Well, they're probably just as. But just because he says he can say choo-choo doesn't mean he ought to be directing the transportation of the country. He was mayor
1: of South Bend, Indiana, that has 66 buses. He's now leading our railways, seaways, airways. I mean, and you go, you wonder why we have problems and supply chain issues at the ports. This is not a guy who was qualified. When he was confirmed, President Biden said that he was pleased to have the first openly gay leader of a department in his cabinet. Not you're the most qualified. Yeah. I'm proud that you fit this thing. And he also said, oh, you're also one of the youngest guys. That was the box that they checked. I mean, those are if you read the chapter literally goes through person after person. Not one time is it about the qualification. It's about the box that they check.
3: The climate change priority that the administration has put forth, what does that lead us to if we fully go that Unemployment. direction?
1: Unemployment. <laughs> I I, That's pretty simple. It do, I mean, look, again, it goes back to making people more dependent on government. It takes out the private sector. It drives up wages. It puts people out of work. Um, it doesn't mean you and I both know this. I love the water. I love to go out, and I grew up sailing. My father sold boats. You can love the environment. You can want to take what God has given us and leave it better for the next generation without destroying jobs in America. And I think the Democrats have made this, this binary choice that if you don't agree with it, then you 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 know you want to kill the, the Bambi, and that's just not how it works.
3: I, I so agree with that. I, I tell people I'm a Christian believer. Uh, I, I believe we ought to be good stewards of the earth. Right. I'm a conservationist, not an environmentalist. An environmentalist puts environment above God. A conservationist says, God made it. I take care of it. Right. Because I owe it to him. Absolutely. Amen to that. But he also gave it to us to use it and to to be blessed by it.
1: But but again, it's it's all of these policies that they're pursuing are in pursuit of a greater political goal, which is the power. Because once they control everything, then you can keep instituting all of these policies. Right? So that's the goal here is to ensure that they have enough voters and enough people in key positions to ensure that all these policies go forward. But everything is about that greater pursuit of power.
3: Well, I'm happy to have you here, especially to talk about the book Radical Nation. Every night you host a show on Newsmax. You I, look like you're having a good time.
1: I, I l- you know what? I, am, I, have, I have these great guests like Mike Huckabee <laughs> uh, that, that I'm, I was honored to have you on the other day. And it's fun. I mean, you know what it's like? You get up and you get to say, what's making news? What do I want to talk about? And who would be a great guest to talk about it? And then have a conversation with them. You've been in the arena. You know what it's like to govern. I've staffed people who've been in the arena. I've served in the military. I mean, I've done all these things. So when I talk about it, it's from a firsthand perspective of saying, I know what the decision-making process is like. This is how it's coming together. That's very different than pontificating it like a lot of these pundits in Washington, D.C.
3: I think that makes you far more valuable as a commentator on television. Sean Spicer? This is his new book. It's right here. Our audience is going to want to keep up with all that Sean is doing, and they can do that Monday through Friday on Newsmax TV. Also follow Sean on Twitter, at Sean Spicer. Pick up the new book, Radical Nation, anywhere that you buy your books, and please buy it. Don't steal it. Buy it. That's the American way. But right now, Keith has a very fine lineup for our show tonight. He is going to tell you all about it right now.
2: Coming up, magician Taylor Reed and later the Kentucky Headhunters. More Huckabee is coming your way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at gov Huckabee on
3: Twitter. Well, there's so many cool things about doing this show, but one of them is being able not only to listen to, but to work with an amazing group of musicians that we know as Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Would you give them their due? A nice round of applause. Well, if the fall weather has given you a bug for a little sightseeing, and I bet it has, we got the place for you. This little Texas town, it's a very inviting place with a lot of history and loads of character. Your travels are sure to go off with a bang if you visit this week's Our Kind of Town.
2: Well, there's a town down in South Central Texas that's famous for the phrase, come and take it. Come and take what, you ask? Well, this canon. You see, back in 1835, General Santa Anna and his Mexican army demanded the fine people of Gonzales to surrender their cannon or else. Well, Texans did what Texans do, and the revolution started right then and right there. With this kind of history, Gonzales is a must-see destination for history fans of all stripes. The Gonzales Memorial Museum features many artifacts and other items, including the famous come-and-take-it cannon that started it all dramatic reenactments depicting the history of Gonzales take place year round you can relax under the sam houston oak tree just like he did and that's not all come and take it means these days because the townsfolk of Gonzales are as hospitable as they are resilient they put on all kinds of enticing events for the whole family every year celebrations with plenty of entertainment lots of dancing and barbecue just begging you to come and take it And I'll tell you what, even in this Texas town, their Winterfest Festival will put you in the gift-giving mood. Gorgeous historic buildings housing great restaurants with delicious food line the streets of Gonzales, along with inviting shops that are well worth browsing. Gonzales is well known for its magnificent historical homes located all throughout the town. Take a stroll down memory lane and enjoy these elegant beauties from the past. With plenty of places to see and stay, you couldn't possibly spend too much time there. All done seeing the rich history of this town? Well, head on down to the Guadalupe River. Some of the best fun in the water around. I'm ready to jump in myself. And what would Texas be without rodeo? Gonzales is the home to the annual Texas Junior High Finals Rodeo, where the best of Texas competes to go on to the Nationals. yee Gonzales is so rich in history, tradition, and beauty, it makes me want to kick off my boots and stay a while. And you will, too. And that's why Gonzales, Texas, is our kind of town.
3: You know, watching that, Keith, I decided you and I ought to go down to Gonzales, but here's the way I got it figured. I'll take on the barbecue. You take on the bucking bronx and Uh, we'll split it up that way works for me (laughs) well we want to say thanks to the gonzalez chamber of commerce for letting us show off their great town to plan your visit to the come and take it town just go to gonzalestexas.com well my next guest is a master of magic honored as family illusionist of the year by the international magician society he has appeared on shows like america's got talent And his show, The Magic and Comedy of Taylor Reed, has played in Branson for over a decade. This is his new book called Growing Up Magic. Would you please welcome master illusionist, Taylor Reed. That was pretty. I wonder, where did she go? Can you keep a secret? Uh, no. Okay. So you won't be able to tell me.
0: I was hoping I would, would love yes. to know.
3: <laughs> I know. I know one thing. I don't think, uh, you know, we would try that with uh, Trey because we might put him in there. Yeah. He may never come back.
0: <laughs> is this is
3: true. We don't know where he would be. Hey, Great. you've got a new book, and, and I love the title, Growing Up Magic.
0: Growing Up Magic. So That's is cool. this something you did from the time you were a kid? Yeah, I started when I was four years old in Texas. Four? A little town called Clute, Texas. Anybody ever heard of that?
3: Not a soul. <laughs> never heard One of that. One person has heard of your hometown, yeah. Yeah. but they've heard of you. I mean, th- this is
0: pretty incredible. Four yeah. years old. Four years old. How? And I knew as a child that that was going to be my, my vision, my dream. You know, you are in Conway
3: Twitty's theater. He yes. built this place originally. It was Twitty City. We are so proud of the heritage and the legacy right that right. we get to inherit from this wonderful theater, thanks to one of the great talents of all time. But you have a connection. What is yes. it? Yes.
0: I did a four-year gig at the Jim Stafford Theater in Branson, Missouri. You guys have heard of that? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Jim's a wonderful friend of mine. He's a great guy. We had wonderful performers there. Uh, Buck Trent, Billy Dean, yep. Jim Stafford. And I got to use the dressing room. It was kind of a cool thing. It was the same dressing room that uh, Conway used. And I don't know if you guys know this, but that was Conway's last performance. I
3: at did. Jim Stafford
0: that. Theater, believe it, at Branson, Missouri.
3: And by the way, he is from Arkansas, so that's another wow, reason that I love me some Conway Twitty. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, I understand that one of the Osmonds, Merrill, yeah. got you to Branson. How that? He happen? brought me
0: to Branson. Merrill, Donnie Marie's brother. Let's get back to the Osmonds. It Was awesome. Yeah, he brought me out there about 16 years ago, and they hooked me up at this place called the Branson Mall Music Theater many moons ago, Uh and i performed for many years at that venue, and then I've now been touring Branson all up and down the Branson Strip for many years, and I'm just really thankful to have the Osmonds kind of Big name to kind of help me get started.
3: That ain't bad. And Branson's a wonderful place. It's one Beautiful. of my favorite places. I bet you got some more stuff for us. I you? do. Would you okay. like to see another one?
0: Absolutely. We're going to do a little game of imagination here. I've okay. got four large cards. We're going to pretend or imagine that there are four queens. Okay. So we have a okay. queen, of heart, a club, a spade, and a diamond. All right. Two are red, two are black. I'm going to pretend to take out two right now that are the same color. So here we go. Whoop, sound effect. Are these red or black? Red. Give him a big round of applause. He's correct, ladies and gentlemen. Red is. How do we know? (laughs) I've got two of them. I'm going to split them. Just take one. Okay. Show it to all your friends.
3: I don't have any friends left. He's absolutely uh, crazy, ladies and gentlemen. These good people.
0: All right. In a loud voice, tell us, is it the queen of heart or the queen of diamonds?
3: Uh, I'd say
0: it's the queen of hearts. Queen of hearts. Big round of applause one more time. Very nice. Turn it upside down, please. That's just about perfect. Placing it into the packet. And if all works out, it should become a reality. So watch it very closely. You're okay. Snap. I go like this. And there you have it. Whoa! That is the Queen of Hearts. Now, that's pretty cool. Yes. I knew for sure he was going to select the Queen of Hearts. In fact, I made sure that it was printed with a red back. Look at there. Red. <laughs> Come on, people. That's good stuff.
4: Yeah, that was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. <laughs> In fact, I told the printers there's no reason to even put ink on these because there's no way that the governor would try <laughs> uh, anything other than that. <laughs>
3: so anyway. Now, do you a, have another trick before we Oh, meeting. yes. I've always okay. got illusions. I, you, you
0: rolled up your sleeve, so I know there's nothing up your sleeve. <laughs> Absolutely. Notice how my hands never leave my arms, OK? <laughs> We've got a pack of playing cards here. This is not okay. going to be the pick a card, any card trick. All right. This is a visual illusion. Uh, it's actually done what uh, I call card manipulation. So I'm going to do something where you just watch me. I'm going to stand up so these folks can get a better view. OK. And, uh, and I hope you like it. So uh, watch closely. Here. OK. And we're going to get the band to play a riff if we could. Just hit us up with something there, guys.
2: Magic is available now. See more of his incredible tricks by following him on social media at taylorreed.com. Next, how the shipping crisis affects holiday purchases and share life with Mike's in case you missed it on Huckabee.
3: to continue the magic here on the show because you've probably heard a lot about the supply chain crisis lately. I'm sure you have. One of the most critical links in that chain are truckers. because They're the ones who are transporting all the products that we buy into every single store in America. My next guest is a 30-year veteran of the trucking industry. She serves as vice president of the Tennessee Trucking Association, one of the oldest state trucking associations in the nation. She knows all too well when we talk about essential workers, truckers really are essential. Please welcome to the show Donna England. Donna, nice to have you here. Thank you. Nice to- I, I wonder, do people understand how important the trucking industry is? I mean, it's not just those guys on the highway that we're so afraid, you know, they're going to get too close to us. They're carrying everything we're going to put in our houses. They're hauling it to us.
5: I don't think that... Folks realize just how important our truck drivers are until the pandemic happened. Mm. After the pandemic, I think everybody now knows that our truck drivers are essential and that they are hauling our goods, our essentials. They're hauling everything that we use in our households. They, When we go out to eat dinner, they're bringing our food to the restaurants, the supplies to the restaurants. Our truckers are so important to our economy in making sure... That we have. They are. They
3: really are. And I'm glad our audience recognizes that. That's an important thing to do because, you know, a year ago we were celebrating the truckers as being the heroes, the people delivering stuff to our homes. This year they've been accused of being a part of the problem in the supply chain. Now, I don't think that's fair. But I'm going to let you tell me if I'm right or wrong.
5: Our truckers are not the problem to our supply chain issues. We do have a driver shortage. We have always had a driver shortage. There's only been maybe one time in my career that I saw that we had an influx of drivers in our industry. But since I've been in this industry for 30 years, I have not seen us have the driver shortage that we have now. And I do believe that the pandemic has helped with that. I also think that, of course, the American Trucking Associations in 2018, they said that we had... 60,000, over 60,000 drivers short. Since the pandemic, I believe we have more that were short at this point. We also have other issues in our supply chain that if we don't work together, we won't bridge those gaps and we won't make the supply chain come back. I feel like that it will come back, that there's gonna be a time that it's gonna take all of us working together to make sure that, that we do what we need to do is each industry pulls together to get the supplies that we need.
3: Donna, we got all these ships sitting out on the uh, West Coast in the ocean, hundreds and hundreds of them, thousands, with stuff that we need. And if they even get it into port, then we have to truck it or get it by train, but most of it will go by truck across the rest of the country. Do we have the capacity to get that stuff if it does get to port? And you mentioned that we have a shortage. Um, It's going to take a long time to move those things from the ports to the rest of the country.
5: Yes, we have a shortage of not only truck drivers to haul the freight out. We have a shortage of workers to actually work at the ports. If we open them 24-7, like what the Biden administration has told us that they're going to do, Mm -hmm. we're still going to have issues. We're still going to have weak links in the chain that we need to work on to make sure that one, we have the workers, we have the warehouses, we have all the things needed to make sure that we're getting that freight off the ports and we're getting it delivered. Even though they're gonna be open 24/7, a lot of companies aren't gonna send their drivers in to in the middle of the night to go pick up a load when they can't go and deliver it because they have to utilize the drivers that we have now in the best capacity that they can.
3: I have heard that uh, the average truck driver's age is like over 50, which means that there's going to be a lot of guys retiring. And if we don't start getting some younger people into the trucking industry, we're going to be in a world of hurt sooner than we think we are. But what is an average trucker made? I mean, this is a good job for people when they say, well, I can't find something that pays well. Driving a truck can pay pretty well.
5: Driving a truck can pay pretty well. I have a CDL myself, yeah. and I've actually drove a truck over the years. Really? Yes, sir. And so, good it can, for you. It can <laughs> it can pay well. The drivers, you know, can make anywhere from starting out in this industry forty, and then they just can continue to to grow their income and can be up in the eighties, hundred thousand dollars a year income brackets. Mm. The problem in our industry right now is we don't allow 18- to 21-year-olds to operate in interstate commerce. There is a Drive Safe Act that's been introduced. It was introduced in 2018 to allow these 18- to 21-year-olds to be able to operate in interstate commerce. Right now, they can operate in their states, depending on state laws because each state is different. Mm -hmm. They can operate and go from one end of the state to the other end of the state. But they can't cross state lines. So if I'm in Chattanooga and I want to go to Georgia, I'm 19 years old, I can't do that, even though I'm only going to be going 10 miles into Georgia. But I could go across some states from one end to the other. In Tennessee, we limit those 18, 19, 20-year-olds on how the distance that they can drive. They can only go within 100 miles of their terminal, but the majority of the states out there don't have limits on how many miles they can run in their state. With the Drive Safe Act that's been introduced, I believe that it is in the infrastructure bill, and with the, and if it is passed, then they will start allowing a pilot program that will have, there'll be 3,000 drivers at any one time, 18 to 20 year olds, that they will allow in the program. But there will be restrictions, they will be required to train 400 hours, 240 of those hours they will have to be actually behind the wheel and, and working and then there is going to be a requirement that an experienced driver with two years experience or more be in that truck with that trainee, and there will be other restrictions. But as far as, you know, getting in the high schools and getting these students acclimated to, hey, truck driving is a good career. You can Mm -hmm. make really good money. What happens now is we lose these students coming out of high school, and they end up in another career. It might be one career, two careers, three careers, before they end up driving a truck. We usually don't see folks enter in our industry until they're in their mid-30s. That's why the average truck driver is 50ish, 52 years old.
3: Well, it's obvious that we need to get some more people driving trucks, that may be something. If you have uh, sort of a moment in your life between trucking or between jobs, that may be the answer. Donna England, thank you so very much for being with us tonight. Now, if you want to learn more about Donna's work with the Tennessee Trucking Association, go to tntrucking.org. We're going to truck our way right over to Keith. We've already had a great show tonight, but we're only halfway done. So, Keith, you tell us what else is coming up.
2: Well, coming up, news with a twist on In Case You Missed It. And later, Grammy award-winning group, the Kentucky Headhunters. They're on Huckabee.
3: Welcome back from plastic phobia to your brain on drugs. It's time for some news that will leave you feeling a little fried on In Case You Missed It. (laughs) The Humane Society rushed to a house in San Mateo, California, after someone reported seeing an escaped pet tarantula on the roof of a home. His spidey sense must not have been working because animal rescuers discovered that the giant spider was just an old, discarded Halloween decoration. (laughs) Now it was plastic, but this was Southern California. So who isn't plastic, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even scarier, the Santa Barbara Fire Department rushed to the scene after someone reported the woman clinging to the side of a cliff by her fingernails. No, she was not a California taxpayer. It actually turned out to be a mannequin left there by a movie crew. Again, it's Southern California. So, yeah, she was plastic, too. After being removed from the cliff and arrested for not wearing a face mask, (laughs) allegedly the plastic dummy was identified as Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, it's crazy what you got to do these days to get your hair done. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Keith, you like barbecue sauce, don't you? Oh, well, actually, I consider it a beverage. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you'll be able to relate to Robert Goldwitzer of suburban Des Moines, Iowa. Police said he got so upset when he discovered the McDonald's had failed to include any dipping sauce in his order of McNuggets that he called up and he threatened to blow up the restaurant and punch the manager in the face. Well, it's a crime, but uh, I don't think I'd go that far. Well, it sounds like he got sauced and blew up. Sounds to me. (laughs) Anyway, he pleaded down to a misdemeanor after claiming that he didn't really mean to threaten them. He just said he hoped someone would blow up in the McDonald's and punch the manager in the face. Pretty weak. Yeah, it sounds reasonable, of course. After all... The man got no <laughs> dipping sauce, and that's a serious deal. It is, really. But I th- Would you blow up a McDonald's? I order? don't think so. I hope not, because but I if, you, complain. if you said you were, yeah. we have police officers here, and they were going to take you into custody for terroristic <laughs> threatening. So I'm glad you answered that properly. But, but they do send.
2: they they kind of question me when I say, what do you want to, you know, I order. Yeah. What do you want to drink? I say
3: barbecue sauce. <laughs> and they, they don't get it. I get it. <laughs> Finally, a trio of this is your brain on drug stories. Where better to look for that than Florida, where police in Madeira Beach stopped Matthew Cusimano as he was riding a bicycle with no lights on uh, at 3 a.m. He had an outstanding warrant for skipping out on the drug charge and he was carrying two glass pipes and about 10 ounces of meth. Now police say he told them it was for medicinal methamphetamine usage. huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's what you call a prescription for disaster. Uh-huh. That's what that is. By the way, for the record, not even California has legalized medicinal meth. <laughs> not yet, anyway. And <laughs> speaking of people with no lights on, a repeat offender in Missouri was arrested yet again after he posted this photo on Facebook Marketplace of a catalytic converter that he had for sale. What he didn't do was notice that his photo also (laughs) showed a syringe and a bag of... Wait. ...powdered sugar? Are you serious? This is actually... This is showing you what happens to your brain on drugs. Yeah, absolutely. And this wasn't even medicinal powdered sugar. (laughs) I guess it's true. You can find anything on Facebook Marketplace. That's right. Finally, let's play a version of Where's Waldo that I call Where's Huck's Criminal Mastermind? was police in Swadlincote, England, raided the house looking for a wanted criminal. He had a brilliant hiding place, but they found him anyway. It's a very low quality image, but you can see right now, if you can see, if you can spot him, see if you find him. You see him? <laughs> Whoa. What an am- I don't think he's going to be a magician. What no, do you think? no. Uh-uh. The moral of the story... Your security blanket may keep you secure from the cops, but not if your feet are sticking out of it. (laughs) And I can't help but wonder if maybe there was a bag of medicinal powdered sugar under that blanket. Quite possible. Could be. Well, before I have to hide my face, too, I'm going to end this little bit. But until next time, remember, we read the news.
6: Next, Country Rock Group, the
2: Kentucky Headhunters is all the way. Next week, join Mike's guests, Charles Mizrahi and the Oak Ridge Boys.
3: And welcome back everybody. The Kentucky Headhunters distinctive sound. It's a mix of rock, country and blues music. Mm. Their chart-topping songs like Dumas Walker and Rock and Roll Angel have earned them radio hits as well as Grammy, CMA and ACM awards. I want you to welcome to the show brothers Richard and Fred Young, their cousin Greg Martin and Doug Phelps known as the Kentucky Headhunters. <laughs> Great having Howdy, you guys brother. here. Oh, it's great to be here, Mike. You know, one of the things that I love about your music, it's, it's really hard to describe. Most people would say it's southern rock, but there's a lot of country roots, blues. You kind of cover the a little the, the everything.
0: Yeah. Like a sponge, thing,
3: yeah. But one thing about you guys, you can rip it up in a live performance like nobody else. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank
7: you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We,
3: uh, yeah.
6: We've been very fortunate. We played together Fred, Greg, and I have played together since 1968. 68. So. 68. I met i at a talent show. Same as you. You saw the Beatles on 64, didn't that, you? That changed, changed my whole life. life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I,
0: yeah. I was going to be the, fi-
3: I was gonna be the fifth Beatle. <laughs> well, you're a pretty good Beatle. <laughs> you, know? you are. They never got that message, though. Well, but you guys, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool that you've been true to your roots, Uh the state of Kentucky loves you, and you love the state of Kentucky. You've continued yes, to be able to represent uh, the heritage that you have there. Yes. so We've been
6: very, very fortunate, and we, we have an old farmhouse out that our grandma gave us out in the farm there in uh, Edmonton, Kentucky. And we use that as our landed strip to rehearse and to practice and play. And, and uh, just I think that, uh, along with being family, is why we've had so many great years. We've, we've lived a charmed life.
3: Well, you know, but you've helped a lot of other people enjoy the music, we, and the fact yeah. that you still speak to each other after all these years—it's yeah. yeah. a miracle. We have no, choice. we <laughs> have to get kill on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the house that you just described—is that the one that's in some of the music videos? Yes, yes. that really is the. That's it. Uh, that's the practice. That's the practice. Yeah. That's it. That is so cool, yeah. and it's yeah. part of the family heritage. It is. Yeah. yeah, and we've
6: been fortunate enough that uh, my sons created a band 20 years ago, and we helped them get started, and. They went to Europe and exploded, and they're huge over there and, and big over here, I guess. And so they're called Blackstone Cherry, the rock band. A lot of people know That's that. awesome.
3: Yeah. yeah. They've got some fans, Thank too. So. Yes. This is the newest yeah. collection from the Kentucky Headhunters' Calls That's a fact, Jack. Now, tell me, what is different about this album than some of the other things you've done?
7: Well, we came out of the pandemic, for one thing, and we were all holed yeah. up last year. You know, like like rats sitting (laughs) around the house going, what's going on? And um, last November, I I, I came down with COVID, not a really bad case. So we had to put things off till early in the year. And finally, we said we got to get together and we got to get this music out.
6: Do so. We we
7: went out. We went into this without a blueprint. We got in the studio um, and these guys will attest yeah. For about a day or two, we were kind of mush brains so to speak, and we were like going, "Okay." Yeah. Doug
6: actually took his headphones yeah. off one time after about a few hours the first day. He said, "Our brains are mush," the <laughs> but it, they weren't. It took actually, a while, but, but we, we you know it, it. doing it so many years together yeah, actually it's kind it of like riding up. a bicycle. So it just took us. We were still in shock from COVID. Yeah. And, yeah. Just like being home on the the First holidays. time
3: you guys have been off the road probably in 50 years. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean a long time. 40. Yeah. 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 We played eight shows
6: and then three two or three of those were drive-in shows. Yeah. Remember the drive-ins folks where you could
3: Yeah. You could just made yeah. people you could in the car. Yeah, some of these people remember but they don't remember much about the movies they ever saw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... they they don't remember the titles <laughs> the of any titles. of them. It. it was just to go have fun. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you'd, uh, <laughs>
6: yeah. you'd have three exactly people right. in the car or four pay for it, yeah. and then the trunk be for <laughs> And then yeah. sometimes, the movie would start, and you forget that there was anybody
4: in the trunk. We've
3: got hostages
6: yeah, in the we car. Are. <laughs> yeah. and
7: we got a few, you know, those drive-in speakers hanging around the house, you know, for the, that <laughs> yeah. you accidentally ripped off the
6: post.
3: You and, just yeah. drove away. Yeah, just yeah, drove still hooked right to the window. I forgot. <laughs> You know? You know you didn't. You took those things. That's true you drove right. off with um, No, we, I've on. never stole a piece of bubblegum
6: in my life. <laughs> I really haven't. I'll tell if a fish is that long, it's that long, but I not I'm kind of a PR at the guy so, in our outfit.
3: So here's what I gotta ask. You guys have been playing since like 68. Mm-hmm. So you preceded a lot of the people that would have influenced you, but have there been influences to the Kentucky headhunters' sound and and brand, all of them. Oh, oh yes, that, yes. Man. everything Definitely. from
6: Lawrence Welk to BB King. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah.
6: That's a pretty big spectrum. Yes, it <laughs>
3: Lawrence <is>. Welk. <laughs> To BB King, King, to Led
6: Zeppelin, well, just like you, that's we definitely. were forced to watch that on Sunday nights. Yes, we were. Or you couldn't watch Ed Sullivan to see the. We're beat. musical Man. sponges. Yeah.
3: Anything that I think come... we're brothers from another mother. <laughs> I, I'm sure we knew that when we first. Well, met I you I watch. want people to get this wonderful new album called That Is a Fact Jack. It's a fun album, and that's what they wanted to be. And folks, we need some fun in our world today. For their concert schedule, go to Kentucky Headhunters. Now, don't go away, because after the break, these guys are going to perform Dumas Walker right here.
2: After the show, go to Huckabee.tv for a digital exclusive performance of their song, Let's All Get Together and Fight. Now, here to perform are the Kentucky Headhunters!
4: Well, let's all go down to Dumas Walkers Let's all go down to Dumas Walkers a and, fries and, a and a bottle, bottle of ski. ski. Hey. Bring it on out to my baby and me. Well, we headed to the driving on a Saturday night. Just me and my baby, and the six pack of life. Got a pocket full of money and a rent Let's all go down to doom as walker. Let's all go down to doom as we we'll good. Look at a small burger fries and a bottle of ski. Bring it on out to my baby and me. I'll pick it boy.